Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Idiots Podcast. That's infectious disease insight of two specialists. I'm Jay. Stop that. <laughs> Managed to break James. <laughs> right, I'll go again. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Idiots Podcast. That's infectious disease insight of two specialists. I'm James. That's Callum. Are we going to tell you everything you need to know about infectious disease? Soon may the IT team come to discontinue the Tezo sun. One day when the CRP's done, we'll take our leave and go. Callum, how are you doing? I'm good, apart from the fact that I was going to go to the horse races, something I do often, obviously, uh, and I was going to wear my hat, but it had got fungus on it, so I had a... It's looking like a mouldy toff, which is convenient because today we're going to do a very short episode on the mouldy toff. Yeah, because I'm leaving the podcast forever. The mouldy toff, Callum. Uh, so what is that? The mouldy toff is a really clever, I guess you could describe it as a black box machine, one of these machines that you have in various industries, fields, labs where you put something in and it does something clever and then you get a result out and you don't really see the inner workings of the machine. And I would say that the Molotov has sparked a revolution in identification of organisms in microbiological labs. It's huge. In terms of one of the big things that you think about when you are getting a clinical sample and you want to give a result to a clinician so that they can act on the result and make decisions that benefit the patients. One of the big things is turnaround times, and that's huge. And the Molotov dramatically reduces the time it takes you to identify organisms and also makes it in a way cheaper and uh, just quicker in the lab. So that's what it does. Huge. You need to tell people what it is. What it is, well, First. Molotov, not only is it a great name, but it also stands for something. It stands for Matrix Assisted Laser Desorption Ionization Dash Time of Flight Mass Spectrometry. Mm. So uh, there's there's also like different types. So we have a, a moldy tough locally, but uh, I think there's um, moldy insert other things. Uh, moldy is the is the main uh, principle. Uh, well, so what okay. does that stand for? So we can break it down essentially into to three steps: matrix assisted, and then laser desorption ionization, and then time of flight mass spectrometry. Uh, so that's that's the three steps. So essentially, what you do is here's your situation: you got a patient it's got an infection they've had a clinical sample sent to the lab and say that's a swab or a bit of tissue you take that and put on some agar and then you wait a, a period of time 12 24 hours perhaps and then you look at the plate and you've got a colony there great okay we've got a colony what is it now there's some rapid tests you can do to identify common organisms uh, at the at the plate straight away, but sometimes things are a bit more unusual or difficult to identify, or you need to be sure exactly what it is. Yeah. So we've, we've talked to them about the gram positive stuff. So if you've got catalase and coagulase and streptococcal groupings, and you know how it grew in the agar plate, you can identify 
more staffs and more straps to a reasonable level of certainty. Mm-hmm. The Maldi is still used for that stuff, you know, like if it's a blood culture, say, but it's much more useful in being able to identify stuff where you wouldn't be able to do it really quickly and it would yeah. take another day of growing it. So the historical method, you know, going back hundreds of years was you'd use different biochemical tests. Uh, so you would do things that are like rapid reactions, like say it's gram negative, you might use an oxidase test, um, which is color change, or you might, you know, look at what does it ferment, which takes some time because you need to wait for the organism to ferment different sugars. And that can be quite complicated and there's really great old textbooks where you talk about it and it's really detective and it's real neat to gritty microbiology. The biomedical scientists are fantastic at that, that level of, uh, of knowledge. And then came in more automated things. So like card arrays where you have something called an API, where you have different um, biochemical tests that can do that. Yeah. And now we've doing the same test, got... it's just doing it in a standardized fashion. Yeah, exactly. Gives you so, results, and it also yeah. gives you an interpretation at the end. Uh, and then you have more automated processes, which are essentially the same biochemical tests, but in machine. So we've got a biotech uh, machine, which um, can do identification. Um, yeah. uh, Molditoff uh, works slightly differently. So you've got the colony and from putting the colony into the machine, and you can within an hour easily get the identification of the organism, much shorter times usually. You you take essentially take your colony, uh, and then you have a sort of preparation step where you suspend it, and then you put it into a matrix. So the matrix essentially is a series of chemicals that stabilizes the proteins. So when you fire an ionized laser, which is the second step at it, it desorbs. So basically takes things out of being absorbed. So takes the proteins and stuff out of suspension fluid. And then you've got inside the machine, this sort of gas, I guess, or suspended proteins, and it also ionizes them. So basically it puts a charge onto all these proteins because normally proteins wouldn't be charged. All your proteins are then desorbed and they've got a charge on them. And then what you do is you have a chamber, which has an electrical charge down it, which causes the molecules to fire down them. And then the time of flight is how long it takes the proteins to get from one end of this chamber to the other. And you have a computer which is shining a light and it can pick up from the time it takes them down and also the light signal that's generated, what quantity of different proteins there are there and at what wavelengths. And then from that, you can say, okay, there's this concentration of protein at this weight uh, and this is the pattern so you can like even look at the graph in the machine and it shows you the the pattern of different spikes and then it has a database where it's with lots of data compiled from lots of different use so this is getting more and more accurate as time goes on you can say with a high degree of accuracy this is likely to be equal it gives you two different scores and based on those you can say this is or no actually we don't have a confirmed identification we go on and do other things And the beauty of the technology is that it's now being so widely used and there's so much data being generated that the accuracy of it is growing and growing. So initially there were some problems with identifying different types of organisms that were maybe more unusual, but as it gets more and more accurate, those problems are are ironed out. So that's a summary of basically how it works. So what it's doing is it's sort of generating a fingerprint almost for the organism that is then reading based out of smooshed up 
proteins and ions and ribosomal RNA and all the all the stuff that was inside the bacterial cell that's just been zapped by the by the machine. Is that right? Essentially, yeah. I think it should be obvious what the advantages are, but what are the advantages of using the Molotov as opposed to, say, using the Vitec to or any other identification mm-hmm. uh, machine to, to identify it? Why is it better than an API? Taking the example of the blood cultures that's gone positive, it will go positive one day after it's been taken, sort of on average, let's say. And then at that point, they'll uh, take a sample of the blood do a gram stain, they'll be able to identify it as a gram positive caucus or a gram negative bacillus, whatever it is. And then they'll stick it on an agar plate and wait another day. And then we'll see what colonies it gets. Now, at that point, the BMS can take the colony and run it through the Moldatov and then get the idea at that point. If you don't have the Moldy, you then have to incubate it in a automated detection card of a machine such as the Vitec 2, or you have to have enough sample to do an API, which will take you know several hours, if not a day. The Vitec will take about 18 hours to get the ID, further delay in time. The other, I think the other big advantage is throughput though, is that yep. you know, for every the 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 little cards that we've got in that go in our Maldi, they've got 96 wells. And we do two samples, isn't that right? Per two, so two inoculations per culture sample. So we can do forty-eight, and that you know that forty-eight takes something in the order of three minutes from start to finish. There's a load of prep at the start, and there's a load of validation at the end. But the actual running of the Moldatov is very quick indeed. Mm. The whole process takes much longer. Though. It's also really cheap because the machine itself is expensive. It's complicated. You need a you know a company that are going to maintain it. There's a very complex science, but there's not much consumables. Like there's the matrix itself. There's the power. That's, that's cheap. It's made of not yeah. very expensive materials. But like if you're doing all these biochemical tests, not only do you have to get in all the biochemical tests, your API, your cards, but you also need to validate all these tests. So every single test in the lab, you need to have quality control. You need to validate it. So if you're just doing one thing, the Molditoff, rather than saying, oh, we have to validate all these APIs or we have to do all these different tests. Things are so controlled and regulated that the Molditoff gives you this opportunity to just simplify all those processes into one step. So it is much cheaper from that point. Let let alone like the lab time that you're saving as well. That's a huge Mm, cost savings. And with more and more tests becoming available and more and more work coming on with more samples, you really need to look for these efficiency savings to to continue to run the lab. So what are the disadvantages of it then? Good question. Um, Or limitations, let's say. um, Limitations. So I think sometimes it throws up things that you maybe didn't really want to know. Yeah, I think we've we've got a word for this down in uh, Nador South, and it's moldyism. And that's when something comes up that's been identified and the clinical team then phone you saying, what do I do about this? And you say nothing because it wouldn't have been identified a few years ago and it probably doesn't need to be. You know, your hmm. funny, odd anaerobes and acinetobacter in an unusual location, uh, you know, environmental Pseudomonad. Pseudomonad. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, or the weird, uh, the very strange uh, actinomyces. 
Yeah, um, bacteria. Act- actinomyces, sorry, that's what I meant yeah, to say. From um, abdominal fluid samples. From someone who's had appendicitis, they've had an appendectomy uh, or appendectomy, depending on which country you're in. And then you get this actino, and then they were like, well, the actinomycosis is like, no, it's just part of the normal gut floor. And who cares? Like they've had but, their appendix out, they've had their abdominal washed the out. The thing is, so. it's, it's sensitive. So we're, we're finding stuff like that. Stuff yeah. that you wouldn't have been able to identify formally. But then causes headaches because you, you end up, or, or also the organism names change a lot. So sometimes they think, oh, microbiology isn't, but the, the organism classification is constantly getting better or worse, uh, depending on how your frame is on. Mm. But uh, for taxonomists, I'm sure they love it because they're continually getting more and more accurate. Yeah. But I guess that, that introduces an issue, which is you are dependent on your Moldatuff manufacturer exactly. updating your database. So like the, the Moldy that's used here and in Nadosh North is... Uh, Brooker, uh, Brooker is the main one, and that's that's the big one. They they come in and they sort of quality control and they'll upgrade the database every few years. But until then, you're kind of reliant on on what's there already. And if names change, people can get kind of confused. And if they don't change, they can also get confused. Mm. I guess another disadvantage to think about is there is a de-skilling that happens with it. This is what I thought you were going to leave with. So like we, we both know the microbiologist that I mean when, we, when I say that one of our uh, bosses doesn't like the Maldi because it doesn't, it means that the BMS is de-skill and they don't learn the old school microbiology techniques. Oh, I don't know if it's fair to say they don't like it because it's obviously brilliant for patient care, but there's definite disadvantage yeah. of well, I'll tell you a little black story. box technology and that nobody knows how it works. Well, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you a story, Calum. So last weekend, the previous four or five days, the Moldatov had broken. And it didn't break because of some fancy internal uh, thing. They couldn't get the door to close. And if you can't get the door to close, it won't turn on. And if it doesn't turn on, you can't get it to work. And so they uh, contacted the uh, maintenance people and they said, yeah, we have to order that spring from uh, Germany. It'll be next Monday. So you don't have a Moldatov until then. And the lab uh, had a little mini meltdown and then started digging out a load of APIs because our backup, if the Moldy fails, is to identify gram positives with catalase and coagulase and uh, strep grouping and then gram negatives and basically everything else, uh, anaerobes get identified by being incubated anaerobically and being metronized, all sensitive, and everything else goes through an API. And so it's really, really time-consuming for the BMS staff, but it also means that there was these huge delays in getting a proper identification because sometimes the API fails and then you just have to do it again. And it was really difficult for the lab staff and it made people kind of realize how, how reliant they are on the Maldi. And they'd already had a plan to get a second one and mm. that's been expedited uh, yeah. now that this one's up and working because it, they're not going to break down at the same time. So I guess we're saying that the problem is it's too good. <laughs> sort of, or that you don't have more than one of them. But I, I think yeah. the going back to advantages for a second... If you've got a reasonable maintenance contract, operating the Moldatov is fairly easy. So you can parachute one of these things into a low resource country, do some very basic training, and all of a sudden 
that uh, hospital is able to identify organisms to the same degree of accuracy as uh, you know a first world you know London hospital, uh, let's say. So like that, that's a good thing about it. Yeah, I think the the last disadvantage. It's not really a disadvantage. It's just a caveat, uh, really, which is, uh, and this is changing, but organisms which look similar to the Moldatov can be mixed up with each other. So stuff that looks the same internally, usually stuff that's genetically very similar, can be misidentified. So the classic example is E. coli and Shigella. People might think of these as very dissimilar organisms, but they both like living in the gut. And it's just the E. coli happens to be good at uh, going into the urinary tract. It's not a urinary tract bug. It's a GI tract bug. And uh, so is Shigella and the phylogenetically, they're very closely related. And so when the Moldatov zaps them, they can have difficulty identifying uh, them. And occasionally you get a report of somebody with a, you know, a Shigella bacteremia. Uh, but what's happened there is they've misidentified it as actually an E. coli, and you can run it again and get a, a different answer. The other example that I was always taught about with strep mitis looks a lot like strep pneumoniae on the moldy. And the, the way to tell between them really is a very old school microbiology answer. It's to go and look at the patient and see what they've got. If they've got a pneumonia and they're on comoxiclav, that mitis is probably a strep pneumo. If they've got you know, endocarditis and they've recently had a dental extraction, it's probably strep mitis. Any other examples you can think of, Cal? No, and it's funny because sometimes I learn these things where the Molotov isn't good and then I come rotate it back into the micro lab and that seems to no longer be an issue because the database is not updated. So the technology is relatively novel. I think around 2015, maybe a bit earlier, was when it was coming to widespread use. I think it was had been developed before, like you said, but like it wasn't certainly in the UK, lab started acquiring, big lab started acquiring it in the 2010s. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's still relatively new. Uh, and I just think it's, I guess another thing about it, it's just really amazing technology. I think it's really fascinating. I would love to go to like a, an in-depth talk. I'm not au fait with the physics enough to really understand it, but I just, you know, it's got a laser in it. That means <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, so did your CD player, but uh, never mind. I suppose maybe you're a bit too young for CD players, you whippersnapper. Oh, CD Walkman. Where's it going in the future, though, Cal? Where's it going in the future? We, what could we possibly identify with it? Yeah, there's there's always like interesting papers coming out that are saying we put this in the Maldives and identified this, and people pushing the boundaries of what's possible. But you were t- you were telling me about um, blood cultures yes. going straight into the moldy yeah. no no growth required so yeah so that's i think that? being validated in, in some centers uh where you you basically your blood culture flags positive now what we would do normally is we would take that do a gram on the blood culture plate it out wait for a colony then put it in the molotov but people are putting the blood with the bacteria in it into the molotov directly and able to identify it because i guess at the end of the day all you need to say to the machine is this is based on blood and there will be other well based on this broth uh sorry and there'll be some patient blood in there so there will be other protein but if you can control for that background noise then you can mm. still get the signal that you're looking for well i mean even if it's just saying if, if you just program it and just say look ignore the blood 
and uh, tell me what the other stuff is. Yeah. Even if it's like a, you know, a scale of, you know, 100,000 to one, it doesn't matter. It's just a computer. It's just going to uh, delete yeah. all that stuff. But the issue is that like, I, I don't really know much about this, but I imagine that, you know, the amount of blood that's in the bottle will change, that the proteins that are there are different because different patient's blood, etc. But I, I don't really know so much about that, just that it has been used in some centers and has a degree of validation. It's not going to be as accurate as from a, a colony, but, it, you know, it's going to be more accurate than just a gram stain. What about um, identifying CPEs and MRSA and all that kind of yeah. stuff? So there's been some publications looking at Molotov to detect different re- resistance mechanisms, which makes sense because it's looking for proteins. So if your organism is expressing a, a gene and producing a protein, which is, uh, say, a beta-lactamase or something, you should be able to pick that up. Now, the issue is that there's like a set range. So I think it's 2,000 to 20,000 Daltons. Uh, which is a measure of, of molecular size. And that's the range that it looks for protein peaks. And so if the the protein that you're looking for is in that range, then you'll find it. So MRSA is a good example. Klebsiella, pneumonia, carbapenemase can be found. But then there's lots of other ones which are too large, generally, that you won't be able to find. So there's limitations on it. But you, you can see that, you know, for example, if you can say something's MRSA or not MRSA before, you know, straight from a blood culture bottle, wow. Now, there's other ways of doing that. So, you know, we're, we're looking at the advantages and disadvantages. So for that one, you can do, a, you know, a, PC, a rapid PCR and you can find the, the MEC-A or MEC-C gene quite quickly. So, you know, that's not something that's unique to Maldidoff, but given that you're going to do that anyway to get your confirmed identification, that's quite appealing. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, if it's reliable, then, you know, ima- imagine having a positive blood culture and then you stick that through the moldy and it says, I think it's staph aureus and also I think it's MSSA. All of a sudden, you know, say you're empirically treating somebody with like flu-plops and bank or something like that or something broad spectrum, you can just narrow down right away if you, if you, uh, if you trust it enough. So, you know, another way of looking at it is why do the blood culture at all? So the advantage of sending the blood in a in a broth in the blood culture bottle is that it's got an incredibly high sensitivity. So you only need very few organisms. You put them into this environment, they're going to multiply. Mm-hmm. So you can get like, so for say men, suspected meningitis, we've got a panel of PCR tests that we can look for uh, pneumococcus, meningococcus, and mufflus. Now you'd think, oh, PCR is really sensitive, but culture is going, you know, if you've got a culture and you amplify up, you're going to have a lower detection limit than you would for PCR. So I can't imagine this is something that's going to be replaced. The advantage of PCR is you take the blood and you put it in and then you get the result really quickly. But if you can do the broth culture and then you can put it into the Molotov, that's reducing that turnaround time significantly. Yeah. That's pretty much all there is to say about Molotov. I think it's... I just think it's really exciting. Every time I go in and look at the machine, I just, I just think, wow, you know, to, to be someone, you know, from a hundred years ago travels forward in time. I listened to something, a talk the other day, and it was not by a microbiologist. And they were talking about how microbiology hadn't really advanced in many years. And that made me think, oh, people don't know what the Maldi is and how amazing it is. 
Like microbiology is coming on leaps and bounds. And I'm not just talking about renaming the streptococci every few years and yeah, then that is the fungi every other year. You know, like there's there's new machines, there's new kits, the PCR technology is coming on on leaps and bounds. There's automated methods. They, they must be looking at the antibiotics and thinking, ooh, that's pretty stagnant. But even that's not true. Yeah, I they didn't know. They they did say they did caveat it be like I, I'm not a microbiologist and I'm giving a talk to a room full well not a room that's online, a group of microbiologists. So take this with a pinch of salt. And I think they were they were quite humble about it. So um it didn't Good feel on. bad, but um <laughs> it, it was just a comment that really stuck in my head, being like, But you've have you not heard of the good news about the moldy toff? <laughs> Calm's favorite machine. Yeah, it's brilliant. I um, yeah, maybe I maybe go work for Brooker on Maldives. That's my future oh, career. Right. If Brooker, you're listening, just just hire me. Yeah, I think it's time I left you two alone. Actually, yeah. Uh, questions, comments, suggestions. Why don't you send them in to idiotspodcasting at gmail But until next time, I'm Jane. I'm Callum. See you then. Now that the episode's done, we hope you learn and had lots of fun. So go forth and treat people with some of what you now know.